Chad, look at the time. Just like that, the final hour is here on this Wednesday edition. Hot by with Ed Withrow. Rolls on. Six the Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Fast pace show today. Very fast. This has been fun. You know, the chat's been good, too. That's what I always look to. I, I, I weigh a lot of things by the, the intensity of the chat okay. and what's happening there. What's intense? You today? know what's intense? Uh, my daughter's performance in the Christmas play last hey. night. Bravo. I, I, Bravo, I would, I would give this to our, our team to show, but uh, I don't know all the rules about other kids being in a video that we show, so I'm not going to do it because oh, I'd have to get all the parents to sign oh, okay. a waiver because there's other yeah. kids performing next to her in the Christmas play. Yeah. Uh, so I don't want to, you know, jump through those loops. Don't want to get us have, taken down off any outlets. Also, does she have a vote? So I'm not going to do the, it. Uh, the SAG awards now, based on having an, an on, uh, on pretty camera soon appearance. she will. I mean, you joked yesterday that yeah. we're going to have like a, a trust in her name yeah. when she gets a big. You'll be the conserv. She's going to have a big Disney movie contract coming up where she's going to be in all the holiday movies. Yeah. Um, my daughter is the ultimate ham, and I mean, she was as comfortable. I cannot. I grew up as a very shy kid when I was younger. Did not want to get up and do any type of play or sing in front of people or grab a microphone no. and talk to people. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, to brag on my daughter Evie a little bit, this girl had the the microphone, uh, the head the head headpiece microphone attached to her. Pretty sure she was operating the microphone, turning it on and off for her speaking parts, then going back to a group. Uh, doing all the motions during the singing and the songs and doing them with uh, as much flair as anyone else up there had probably as many words spoken as anyone else. There's probably three or four of the other kids who spoke equally as much. Hutton, I was blown away. You and I could get everybody in the studio right now and all of our friends together, and I don't think we could put together a production as sound from a play right. standpoint as these third graders did. They practiced a lot, but I was amazed. No one stepped on the other's line. No kid completely blanked and forgot they were supposed to speak at any point. They didn't have to nudge anyone to tell them to talk. It was and the Christmas, seamless throughout. This was the Christmas program. Christmas program. Yeah. This Christmas programs that I have observed, that you always have the kids that are silent and just staring off into space, right? Yeah. They're not really participating. They're just more or less, uh, they, they attend that church, and that's... They, our, they our, do it. our church Christmas program will have a lot of that. Okay. It'll be a lot of the congregation singing is, while the kids are silent and staring, wanting to be anywhere else. This one, though, is the legit everyone's in, yes. involved. And this was my daughter's school production, and uh, the music teacher there just was uh, Miss Schwartz. Incredible. Shout out to Miss Schwartz. Uh, I, I was blown away. I was sitting there with my parents watching, and... Uh, Pretty sure Tom and Debbie Withrow had a tear in their eyes. They they watched. They were blown away too. Tom I have not seen Shout my out. daughter practice these lines. I think I saw her dance in front of the TV at one point, doing the motions of the song. So I went into this thing blind, knowing that she was going to speak a lot. But I was blown away by what appeared to be a complete lack of nerves, and in fact, a desire to have the microphone and speak in front of all of these adults. I did not possess that trait. No, as a kid. Same. That's something that is very much learned and developed over time. Now Hutton and I can be handed a microphone and talk to people because we've done it a lot as an adult. As a third grader, there is no way I would want to do what she did last night. So kudos to Evie. Well, it's beyond uh, that, though. Very, acting, very proud. Uh, the, the acting, you know, being a character yeah. is different than just speaking in They in all public. had southern accents. 
And I must say, my daughter's Before southern accent was great, but there was uh, yeah, there some some had to exaggerate more than others. Yes. My daughter doesn't have much of an accent, so she really had to exaggerate. There was a little boy who was in the lead that I mean, his accent it was like um, uh, Billy Bob Thornton and Sling Blade. Hey, like, Joel, hey he Joel was, Osment. He was so. No, I'm saying he was so oh. slow. Like it was, it was so exaggerated, but hilarious the way he did it. He went so over the top with the southern accent just, as opposed to everyone else who just had to don't have a let southern her play accent. Play the role of Nell, and I'll be okay with it. Yeah, I didn't have to do that. My my um, <laughs> one of my daughter's good friends was another one of the leads in the play, and she played a media member that was on TV. So she didn't have an accent at all. So everyone else had the accent that she was interviewing, but she was the newscaster. And uh, also it. did a great job. So um, shout, shout out, out shout out to all third grade, Miss Schwartz, to my daughter, Evie, to all the kids. Uh, again, I would show the video, but I'm afraid we'd get in trouble okay. for doing that by someone. So I'm going to refrain from doing it. Um, guys out there, anyone, keep in mind that a lot of places that you're going to be shopping, if you're doing it online, you need to do it today. Same goes for the Outkick store, which is uh, relaunched and it's uh, great. Outkick store, brand new. And to celebrate, we're offering a buy one, get one 50% off deal for a limited time. And today's the deadline. If you want this here and under the tree in time, you've got to order today. Shop.outkick.com. You visit shop.outkick.com. 50% off automatically applied at checkout. Do that today and get it under the tree. Chad, I feel like you I've, uh, immediately like went to Amazon or something during the break because of the, uh, the shipping aspect of it. You had to remind yourself. Did you make a note? Well, I today, went out. I, I like to physically shop for Christmas gifts. I really do. A little old school that way. But I don't. I like to know. I'm going to go to this store and find something, or I'm going to. I know you where know I need what, to go to get this. You know what this. you're there for. Yeah, I'm getting. I, I know about what I'm doing. I don't like to go to four different stores and try to shop around. But if I'm told I, I someone really likes this store, go there and get something. That is a challenge to me, and I accept that challenge. I embrace it wholeheartedly, and I'm ready to go. So I like going and doing that shopping. I don't like shopping online. I, I never really do it. My the extent of my online shopping for myself is I see something on it's scrolling the gram mm. and I like it and I look at it and I think, oh, that's way too expensive usually when I click on it and don't buy it. But I, I'll send that but to someone that may you. be they, getting they, me a gift you. and say, I like this type of stuff. And I'll send them that to really zero in on the type of stuff. So I like to Wish actually list. go and shop. But now that I know, Hutton, that this is apparently the last day where you can get something delivered by Christmas Day, uh, I will be online shopping when I get home. Because there are three items I know of that I've been sent that I need to buy online. I clearly need to do that today. I always ask every year, what is the popular gift that kids are wanting from Santa? Oh, it's always now a tablet of some sort, a phone. I mean, it's it's always something that, you know, we Re can do this. Regardless of age? Put a screen in your face. That's what every kid wants more than anything else. But the age difference between your daughters? Oh, basically I mean, the same with my youngest daughter, it's a bike. Okay. Good. So that's what she wants more than anything. My oldest daughter wants a, a tablet of some sort. Um, it really does depend. Like, it's... it's uh, the Osmo was a game. It's it's a tablet type thing, but it's also like a learning device that my daughter wanted at some point. I'm trying to think. It's it's normally it really varies age to age, but I think as you get into the eight and up range, it's, it's typically technology. screen related is what the kids want more than anything else. But I mean, I think back to our childhood, and I remember wanting a, the original Nintendo, 
and then eventually the Super Nintendo. Remember the kid that so got that the, too was screen related. I can't say too much about that. The kid that was opening presents and got the uh, Nintendo sixty four and just lost his mind. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I sister, lost my mind when I got the sister's um, just as pumped. Well, not just as pumped, but pumped. And then he is just. I mean, he he goes insane. We got um, when I was a kid Super Nintendo, and I think the first game I got or one of them was Street Fighter two. Yeah. Did it come and with I remember it? my cousins came up from Florida when they were living at the time. They were a little bit older. And, I mean, we spent a week between Christmas and New Year when they would visit. And I think we probably spent eight hours a day just round-robin tournament fighting each other in Street Fighter Two. I was Guile. Remember Guile, the military guy? That yes. was my character that I fought and with. But everyone, Blanca, the Beast, as we called him. See, uh, mine was everybody more, had their I was own more fight. into uh, Mortal Kombat. I never got into Mortal Kombat. That was more of a Sega game, right? Yeah, well, that's what we had. So you either yeah. had Super Nintendo or you had Sega Genesis. Yeah, I never I never was a Sega guy. I had friends who had the Sega, so that's the only way I played Mortal Kombat. I was always a Super Nintendo guy. Got a question from the YouTube chat, Hutton, yeah. now that we're, we're going down this tangent. Yep. Uh, talking about my daughter putting on the Southern accent, um, Alib in the chat says, how exactly did Chutton escape the Southern accent growing up in Middle Tennessee? Oh, I did not, I don't think. Uh, if I go back uh, to the farm, I will. I mean, you. It's like I think in any region of the country, if you go back to visit family, you end up speaking like them in some way. There are certain the way you'll end certain words. I can hear yeah. a little bit of a southern accent yeah. with you. The same goes for me. I, there's certain things I can't escape that I'll say it, and you'll say, oh, yeah. "Oh, this guy's not from Ohio," which I always refer to as the best like non-regional diction in America because they sound like nothing. Typically, Missouri's probably another one. Sounds like nothing. Maybe parts of Indiana. Some my, parts have a southern accent. My thoughts on this. And I, I think 10 years ago, it probably plays a factor. Quiet back there, Tyler. <laughs> probably plays a factor. I said something uh, Chad, in Ohio and he had to pop I, in. I think, uh, you know, everyone in college, if you were taking these classes, they wanted you to have that Midwest diction, yeah. right? I, with everyone that's moving to Nashville, I don't think it's like that much anymore i really don't i don't either i think nashville proper we're from the outskirts i'm not going to say that i'm from yeah. nashville i'm from a surrounding county and where i grew up was way more rural than it is now now it was suburb it's it's half suburb half farming community hutton is Co from a very rural rural the rural juror uh from back That's in right. the day on 30 rock it's from a very very uh country Community. So the fact that you've avoided it to me is more of a miracle than than I. But I had you know family members that went to private schools uh, around Nashville, no accent at all. If you went to a private school in Davidson County, I think that's as close to a non-regional diction as you can get with a lot of people I know that have no Southern accent at all. My honestly, the only way I can explain it away is I watched so much sports growing up. And so much sports center not, yeah, I didn't, I that I think this. I just naturally started to sound like the people I was watching on television call games or talk about games. I don't know that I chose it as much as I just morphed into that because that's what I watched so much. And I also have family. And by the time I was in high school, I had no real accent. I mean, this goes back to high school. Oh, but the, the, the high school uh, Southern accent is thick in Warren compared to... Have you Compared ever to anywhere else? Hutton, have you ever gone back? And our family does this occasionally. People convert the old VHS tapes, like family tapes of um, Christmases I, and things, and they they I convert have, it to something you can watch digitally. 
we do this um, occasionally, and if you go back and watch yourself, I remember watching myself swim in my grandmother's pool at like seven or eight years old. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you would have thought that I was the most like inbred kid from the sticks you've ever heard. It was so Southern that it was painful to watch. I mean, I... I, I was coming out of the pool. All right, Daddy, give me a gift. Throw me in the pool again. The I mean, it will was, rise again. It was amazing <laughs> watching. I'm thinking, that's me? I kept hearing a little kid that clearly was well before puberty that had the most southern accent ever that uh, sounded like a little girl, and it was me the whole time. I'm thinking, man, I wish I could get the audio of that so we could play it for people to hear just we how should, southern we, I was at one compare. point. We should compare because I, I bet I was I, I was I'm, so same way. southern same as a way. little kid. So elementary school, I think the accent started to work its way out probably late junior high, early high school for me. But elementary school through junior high, I was as southern as well, and thinking about southern this, as cornbread. My so my grandmother's from North Carolina, very distinct accent. Yes. She never lost that. Virginia, very distinct. Virginia Beach area sounds a little bit like a Philly accent. It's a combo. Yeah. It's a it's a combination of, is it, is it uh, East Coast? Is it, is it the South? Like whom? it's a it's a very they go whom? it's a very yeah, it's a very uh, <laughs> not home whom. It's that's a, that's how right. I describe the Virginia yeah. Beach accent. Yeah, you, yeah, you're my right. grandfather's from uh, the coastal North Carolina. And he would say instead of your say yorn, and go home. Yeah, they their O's are it's a are it's a weird it's a weird O. It's very Philly in their O's. Chad. Um, Philly does have an NFL team. One That's of, an excellent segment. One of thirty-two. Look how we look how we went all the way through that. What have from I, Street Fighter to accents to Philly accents to the Philadelphia Eagles? What have I, what's been my stance the last three years with Roger Goodell and international games, global games, and what he's it, they're going to do more and more of them, and it's going to lead he, to a team internationally. He wants his legacy to be that. Yep, and he is putting the NFL, the owners are putting games now in Brazil. I've also said Brazil and Spain will be the next two. Brazil is confirmed. They're going to play games next year there. And that means there will be nine international games starting in 2024. The Brazil games, the league in the regular season. And they're expanding the international slate in 2025. That will be eight games outside the United States plus... Jacksonville's annual London game. Goodell, in a quote, says in, in, in this, I'm convinced that this game is going to be a global sport. We could have sold over our two games in Germany four and a half million tickets. They're continuing to expand, and those that... I heard the responses when I said, like, Goodell, they're going to have... A, they're going to put teams in Europe... And they're going to have their own division. They, they're headed that way. Because eventually, the money, sports wagering, and so much more is going to demand it. And they will do it based on that. Spain's next, and then who knows where else. I have a hard time imagining myself getting fully behind this concept. Because... A full European division is so mind-boggling to me to try to comprehend right now. And watching our American teams play in Europe is cool, and I've had no issues adjusting to that. But thinking about 
a team in Germany, two teams in England, let's say, a team in Spain at some point is just crazy for me to, to imagine. But I, I do not disagree, Hutton, that whether it be adding actual teams in Europe or just completely expanding the footprint globally of the NFL, that is the next frontier for Roger Goodell. He's taken over America. Now he wants to take over the world and take over Europe especially. And if he can do that, that is quite the legacy. It will be the push that way. And that will, when you think of Goodell, you're not going to think of discipline. He's gone away from that. Others are handling that within his office. Now it's about the international aspect and the dollar signs that everyone's seeing. Stay tuned. More coming. Hot Mike with Honey Whistler. Straight ahead. Six the Peabody Air location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Honey Whistler rolls on. Across the Outkick Network. The uh, NFL owners have unanimously approved the 2027 Super Bowl in Los Angeles. So it's headed to SoFi again. Good spot. Didn't suck. There was there were worse Super Bowl locations that we've been to. That's right. Um, Minneapolis see. being one of them. Vegas. <laughs> yes. Just to throw that out there. Houston. Jack- Jacksonville is regarded as the worst host city. I, I, that was uh, still in college when that one same. took place. Yeah, same. So I wasn't at that one to know. I would say worst Super Bowl host cities that we've attended, Hutton. Minneapolis was uh, weather-wise the worst. Yep. But it was kind of unique. Dallas that everything this, was in the Mall Dallas of America. Had an ice storm hit it the last time I was there. Yeah. That was the Rogers Super Bowl win. I'd say Atlanta's not the highest on my list of host cities either, and it, that could also be because I've been there way more than any of the other cities. Yeah. For different events, and it's four hours away from us. Indy? Indy was not the best. Another place I've been to a lot. But it's centrally um, located for everybody. I mean, Houston, they, they had a good Houston, not good great d- down down the list. So Phoenix is is cool. It's the perfect layout. It, but it's also it's the le- but it's so spread out. But they have a, a venue for literally everything. Yeah, the, the downtown is actually very easy because there's not a lot of traffic in and out of downtown Phoenix. So it kind of creates the perfect footprint for uh, for our purposes. So coming up, they've got, of course, Vegas this year uh, in at Allegiant Stadium. Then they uh, will take the Super Bowl in 2025 to New Orleans. Then it's San Francisco. That will be Super Bowl 60. They also had Super Bowl 50. San Francisco, and then it's Los Angeles. Then you're going to get into the new stadium realm. And... There are those that say, oh, they'll Buffalo builds a stadium. They'll never do it. Nashville Stadium is only going to seat 62,000. They, they will make standing room only and get it up to the 70,000 requirement. Why? Because they, won't, they will not pass up an opportunity to show another city with public funding that if you do this, it will come. If you build it, the Super Bowl is coming. They will do one. And I think by, Chad, my guess is 2031, uh, 2032, the Super Bowl is in Nashville. It's a no-brainer. I mean, it, it's going to The gonna dome happen. here is scheduled to open in 2027. We'll see. But they're breaking ground after the season. And 2027, that's earlier that year, will be the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. Once the stadium opens, 
Then you're competing with Buffalo. Maybe another one by then. Who knows? Atlanta will be back in the mix soon. The Super Bowl will be in Nashville. And I think Buffalo will get one too. I just They roll the dice in New York at MetLife. I think they'll do it there. I feel very confident in saying Nashville will be a better host city than Jacksonville was. I also feel very confident saying it'll be better than, no offense to Dan Dockage, but Dockage's hometown of Indianapolis. It'll be great. I think it'll be way better than those two places. It will be great. And yeah, I think the league's going to love it, and fans that come to Nashville and, will love it. And the, the public dollars continue to come in for these stadiums. It will. Over a billion dollars. They do in certain cities, but as we heard from A.J. Pierzynski, that those public funds aren't coming through in Chicago. And that's right. been an issue for new stadiums being built for White Sox and for the Bears. Yeah, and even in the, the private realm, they can't come up with a solution for the Bears right now. Crazy. Uh, so the, uh, the Attorney General for the state of Florida is launching an antitrust investigation into the uh, college football playoff committee that left Florida State out of the playoffs. Just initial reaction. She's a Florida fan, by the way. She does want everyone to know she's not even a Florida uh, State fan. She's just doing what's right for her state with Florida State. But continue. How often do we hear, oh, shut up and play. It's just sports. We're doing the important things on this side. And then to get attention, you play into the sports element of this. Am I wrong for thinking that? Does it no. really matter? It's not going to change anything. Uh, just because you went unbeaten, based on the policy that's in place, the committee determines the four best teams and they move on. And guess what else has happened? The discussion has moved on. Away from Florida State. 24-hour news cycle. The discussion about who should have been in, who was left out, who was deserving, who was better. All of that, that makes for great sports discussion. But in the grand scheme of things... What a complete waste of time. Total waste of time. I get tired of politicians that clearly are pandering to their constituency and they use a sports issue in order to act like they're doing something when they know they're not doing anything just to get the headline that, well, they, at least they tried to do something. To me, this is just another charade to say, well, at least we tried, guys. Look at what I did. I protected the honor of Florida State University by at least trying to do this. Now, I will say, if she was actually successful in some of this and forced the, collect, the selection committee and media companies and everyone to release correspondence about the decision, because she said specifically she wants to know what was related to Jordan Travis's injury, which, by the way, in the bylaws, they can factor in. Yep. So it wouldn't be unlawful for them to talk about that playing. They said in interviews that played a factor uh, with Florida State, being without their starting quarterback. But if they were to force something for that to be registered and put out there, that would at least be interesting. But it's not going to happen. And I rarely agree with Bill Hancock on anything, because that's another guy who's paid to just say you know one thing no matter what, uh, regardless of how silly some of it sounds. But when he says, we're seeing a bit of an extreme reaction from the state of Florida on this, I totally agree with him. And it's not from the fan base of Florida State, who rightfully should be outraged by it. But when the state attorney general is getting involved... And being serious about it. I mean, come on. I mean, it's, You signed up to play under these rules... You didn't get the benefit of it this time. 
I agree with you that you got screwed if you're Florida State. I've talked ad nauseum about it. But if I'm someone who is publicly elected to serve the best interest of my constituency in my state, I am not wasting time on this. I would respect the hell out of a politician or an attorney general who said, even if they were a Florida State fan, if they said, while I'm a Florida State fan, I think they should have been in the playoff, I think this is probably a waste of, of state taxpayer money yeah. and our time to try to adjudicate something after the fact that is an agreed-upon system for which these teams go into a playoff. So I'm outraged by it, don't like it, but there's nothing that the state attorney general's office should do to get involved. I would raise my hand and say that person's smart. And they're right to say that, even if I'm upset as a fan. But what we do is we get politicians that use sports for their advantage. Yeah, and she's, you know, whenever I'm reading the quotes of, oh, you know, we're, uh, I, I know an injustice when I see it. I just, I laugh at this. I know an injustice when I see it. That's why we are fighting for the hashtag unconquered FSU football team. Demanding answers from the college football playoff selection committee. See, now that to me is fake outrage, right? That, that is total Unconquered. faux outrage by the attorney general. I think the righteous outrage is coming from Florida State fans. Sure. And there, I, I, I do believe there is fake outrage out there on every issue. I do think there are actually some media members who are legitimately outraged because of what it says. I, I'm one of them, and it has nothing to do with Florida State specifically. It's just the idea that, we need to rely on someone to project and tell us what will happen and not just rate what has already happened. That is my fundamental problem with that process and how they came to that conclusion. A conclusion which, by the way, got to a great four teams and two really good games, we think, but a, a, a process that's flawed and a thought process that, that is flawed to me with that. But this is faux outrage from the Attorney General. This is... I want to get clicks. I want to get press on this. I want to show that I'm doing something. I want to be loved by Florida State fans while also saying in there conveniently that I'm a Florida fan. But even as a Florida fan, I'm going to protect Florida State fans out there. Come on. Is she, uh, Come on. Is she also in the statement on social says, in Florida, merit matters. If it's okay. attention they were looking for, the CFP committee certainly has our attention now. I'm also this is like the prayer of Von Schmidt. I'm on, stand aside. What's the <laughs> damnedest fight you've ever seen? We need to get that prayer. I need to, I need to find the exact wording of it so we can recite it in studio every day before we start the I show. Want it engraved in the wall. I'd like to ask everyone in studio to gather around and join hands as we recite the prayer yeah. of Francis Von Schmidt in candlelight before the battle of new Orleans. I'm getting very uncomfortable Chad's about ancestor, by the way, uh, the, you know, this is speaking of Andrew Jackson who fought at the battle of new Orleans. A little history lesson for you. He got really pissed off at John C. Calhoun in the state of South Carolina because he started running off of the mouth about South Carolina versus the world. Uh, that led to a little thing called the Civil War, the American Civil War, for those that aren't well-versed in American history because South Carolina was ready to secede before everyone else. And Andrew Jackson, this was 20, 30 years before the Civil War, was threatening to go down there and duel him, to kill him. And then he shut his mouth for, for a time, and then eventually civil war happened. I get a little bit uncomfortable with these states just declaring war mm -hmm. on everyone else because of a sports outcome, right? That's what it sounds like to me. 
What is it? Well, the merit? Well, I'm going to defend the merit in, in of Florida. Florida merit matters. In Florida merit, okay. Like the the state versus uh, we're now against everybody. If you're in Florida, you know that merit matters here. I mean, come on. Yeah. Just serve your state. Well, serve your state and the people in your state. Have pride in it. Absolutely. I'm not does, saying that it shouldn't be the 50 United States of America, but it should be United States does, of America. It shouldn't be every issue becoming our state versus your state versus every state. Does merit matter when Florida State wants out of their conference because they're not getting their fair share? Oh, well, that's where it matters more. Is, uh, well, I'm saying you know, like, to them, they're saying, hey, they, ACC so, has well, no that, more merit. No, that's what I'm saying. So are they going to now go after the ACC because they're not getting their fair share? Leave Miami behind. They're, they're not counting Miami in their state, apparently, in the ACC contract. Miami also a private school, so probably don't care as much as Florida State, the state school. Yeah. I think so much of that stuff is just silly. Of course. Silly. Yeah. And this is silly. I know it for her to do this. when I see it. Right. I've seen plenty of them. Peyton Manning didn't win the Heisman Trophy. That's my I, injustice. I was, That's the one I wish the state legislator of Tennessee would have gone to war with everyone. In Tennessee, merit matters. You know what else matters? Uh, having more touchdowns than the guy who had four combined on both offense and defense all year, and that guy winning the Heisman. That matters to us in Tennessee. Chad, I... I uh, Still pissed off about that. I, I was one that said Florida State would be in based on the unbeaten... Yeah, well, based on they had him fourth. They had him fourth, right. They got in uh, the week prior. I saw... Uh, and they were jumped not once, but twice. I think I read an interview, Reese Davis even said it, where he said, I think if the selection committee had a do-over, they would love to replace that week before rating. Right. Because that's where it looks really bad, where Florida State was fourth and fell out having won having, their conference championship and, and they being beat undefeated. Florida, and beat Florida at that moment. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm thinking like, okay, they... They they jump in and they they end up and I this this story makes me these this statement makes me like be glad that the Seminoles aren't in. R- well, it's, because of the the grandstanding. The great thing is that at least if uh, it would have been Florida State in, and not I mean here's a good question for you: If it would have been Texas and not Alabama, would the state of Alabama's AG had threatened the lawsuit also? Against them for being left out? Probably not because they lost head-to-head on the field. So they wouldn't have had a leg to stand on. Yeah, that would have been it. I think anyone else, you're not going to have this level of outrage because they would have had a loss. So the immediate comeback would have been Florida State got in ahead of you because they're undefeated. And Texas got it. And then if Texas Texas gets the four spot, what I think should have happened was Michigan 1, Washington 2, Florida State 3, Texas 4. If that happened... We don't have attorney generals grandstanding and telling everyone how they're going to sue the college football playoff committee for antitrust violations. Right. That doesn't happen with that scenario. Exactly. Um, Also, nothing's going to happen in this scenario, but a lot of talk. And that's it. Yeah. And, and, And no one's really talking about the, the, the bad things that took place to Florida State and what they missed out on. And, now, now it's about we've got a great playoff. And what we're even that last offseason, all we were talking about is a 12 team playoff and conference realignment. We yeah. were fast forwarding a year anyway. And college football has this built in conspiracy slash controversy around it forever. So Florida State fans will never forget this. This 2023 season Just will like never Auburn. be forgotten by Florida State fans as the year they got screwed. And that's fine. I I understand that. And you should constantly remember that. 
So that's part of the sport is the, the constant airing of the grievance and going back to one moment in time and remembering that moment that you feel an injustice. But a part of the sport should not be the attorney general threatening lawsuits because of it. There's a quarterback that Georgia fans are trying to keep grounded. <laughs> Amazing what they're trying to come up with and ideas and brainstorms that are taking place on message boards. Plus, Chad mentioned Reese Davis discussing power of ESPN and college game day on the college football playoff committee. That's next. Chad, it's been quite the, uh, quite the early off season so far for Nebraska. So much so that they've got Georgia fans talking. We've got everyone talking. They're the talk of the college football world right now. Kyle McCord visiting Lincoln from Ohio State, possibly transferring over. Uh, Dylan Rayola, who is the number one quarterback prospect in the country, committed for a long time to Georgia, now considering flipping to Nebraska. Matt Rule getting it done. Georgia fans not happy about it. No, so much so that I, I believe this is Laguna Dog on uh, – the message board for Georgia uh, posting yesterday. It's being reported that Rayola is going to visit Nebraska on Friday. I assume that he'll take the 2.21 p.m. Delta flight, which is also the last flight of the day to the state. Therefore, if this flight gets canceled, he likely won't be able to make the trip, and he'll stay committed to Georgia. Obviously, messing with commercial flights is a slippery slope, but... <laughs> I'm not suggesting that anybody does anything illegal, but does anyone here work for Delta? If some loyal Georgia pilots or flight attendants can call in sick at the last minute, the flight could be canceled, and we could keep Rayola. Maybe someone working could hold the flight up for quote-unquote maintenance issues. At the very least, he could lose his checked bags, so he'd have to experience the Nebraska winter without a jacket. <laughs> I'm just spitballing ideas, but if anyone has anything else, those would also be appreciated. Guys, don't do anything illegal. I would never condone or tell anyone to do something illegal, but if you can do something extremely unethical and affect those that paid a lot of money to go on a flight on this day by either not showing up or losing luggage or any of that, now's the time to give your all for the Georgia Bulldogs and make sure that happens so Dylan Rayola doesn't have a good experience in Lincoln. And losing his bags, do we think that Nebraska football, who apparently now is in big business with NIL, is going to allow Rayola to not have a coat when he gets to Lincoln if they lose his luggage? What you have done for Dylan Rayola by losing his luggage, you may already probably going to have this anyways, He's going to get gifted a new wardrobe of all Nebraska gear and probably other brand names that they are going to give him to wear the entire trip while he's in Lincoln. So Hunter Stallions had gear. Losing losing his luggage has done nothing. Central Michigan that provided Connor Stallions gear would also provide a winter coat for Rayola if he decided to visit Central Michigan. This is hilarious. I mean, this is college football fandom at its best. So uh, here's. Another post at Dogs 24-7 from Purple Bravo. Purple Brave, sorry. I've been to Nebraska. People are very nice there. It's cold, not much to do outside of college sports and farming. 
the woman are also large. Maybe Rayola likes big girls. Not fat, but farm-fed, strong women. <laughs> like Brienne of Tarth. Farm-fed is my like, new favorite term. Like Brienne of Tarth from Game of Thrones. <laughs> There's a reason Nebraska had great she offensive linemen in the 80s sword. and 90s. Athens can't provide him that. Outside of maybe Wisconsin, no other school can. Amazing. Athens I read these can't and I, provide him that. Yeah, yeah, Nebraska woman, not women. I, I, they are dead serious. Oh, These no fans doubt. are dead serious. Farm fed. And that's why, if you are an attorney general in a state, you can act like you're serious and play to these idiots that take everything literally. I mean, look, Nebraska... Maybe all- someone works for Delta and can like lose his luggage. It can confirm Nebraska has thin women, too, my, my wife being one of them. Um, it is a state that has a lot of very large people but not fat. It's a Scandinavian population. It is a definitely a Brienne Tarth situation going on. <laughs> Nebraska's got a very good volleyball team. Okay. They're, they're nationally renowned. Very, very good. They have a lot of tall women, a lot of Nordic Scandinavian bred women. Farm fed is one of my favorite phrases that I've ever heard. Uh, Nebraska football at its Zenith featured many, many farm fed Nebraska boys on the offensive and defensive line, and uh, fullbacks at the time under Tom Osborne. So, yes, that is a thing in Nebraska. But to think that Dylan Rayola, okay, Dylan Rayola, number one quarterback in America, is not going to get whatever he wants at whatever school he attends. Any school in a Power Five conference, especially the SEC or Big Ten, uh, maybe not any of them. I don't want to name the schools, but maybe I can exclude some. Pretty much every school is going to have whatever he wants. If he likes big women, George will provide that too. Winter coats, big women, small women, corn, any other food product. These places will provide that for Dylan Rayola. It will not be because he likes, according to this this poster, quote, farm-fed women is his preference. This is all hilarious. Chad, uh, Brienne of Tarth in the book for Game of Thrones uh, that hasn't finished but Whatever, it, it's, it's complete, uh, according to uh, where we stand on this. Uh, oh, Brianna, well, yeah, the books haven't come out yet. But yeah, the, the, yeah the, the real ending hasn't, has, whatever. I do like your stance on, the moment you signed the, over the rights to HBO, for the, and more people started watching the show than reading yeah, the books. And then you couldn't finish the book. That's the ending now. Like, you don't get to author the ending. You sign that right over to HBO. They ended it. The book doesn't matter anymore once you yeah. signed it over. It's like the... the, the uh, the painter who uh, painted the portrait of George Washington, the final portrait. He never finished it because he thought it was too perfect. So it's not complete. That's the way I feel about most of our it's shows. Not, it's not, it's not going to be finished. So the portrait of George Washington that you see is not his favorite one. That's not on the, the guy or the painter? whoever. Who, it's not his favorite portrait. He yeah. never finished his favorite on purpose. You're he, saying it's unfinished, the it's, one that we see. Un, no, no, no. That's not. It was not one of his favorites. Okay. The one that depicts him the most accurately is not the one that we see on the the dollar. But that the one on the dollar is the one is what you're saying. Much like the television version is the one. It's the. I'm saying it's the. It's the one that they use, but it's not the unfinished one because it's 
not his favorite. He, his if, favorite, he never finished. If and, George R.R. R. Martin was concerned about the artistic integrity you of his work of fiction, then you finish out the series of books that he had written, then you option it to HBO, and then they can film that, and you can be a part of the creative process of taking that to television and to the screen, right? Yes. But when you leave it unfinished and you have HBO write their own ending, I'm with Hutton on this. This is a show stance. That is now the ending of the story because you option it over. If if you've got a complete body of work, an anthology of books that you option to HBO or any other company, and they want to put it on screen, that is your work. And that you can be a part of the process of making sure they're putting your work on screen. But when you option over before it's done and they finish it, it's done. You're out of the race. I need to find out how tall Dylan Rayola is because Brienne of Tarth is 6'6". Well, people are in the chat are saying, I'm saying Scandinavian women like it's a bad thing. I am not. I'm just saying, saying to, to the person on there, it's, they're not. I, I don't see a, a ton of fat people when I go to Nebraska. It's a bunch of farmers yeah, I don't think they have a big weight issue in Nebraska. There are other states that have that. I'm saying a lot of their men and women are tall. They're just bigger people. There's a lot of people six four plus in the state of Nebraska, and it's because of their it's like going to Dorn. It's because of their Viking lineage. <laughs> it is the Dorn of the Midwest, as Hutton just said. Brand of Tarth is it's six. It's a lot six. of Vikings. Dillareola is six three. <laughs> She's six six. Yeah. That's what Google says. That's not, the character, I bet, is supposed to be 6'6". Six, six. I don't know oh, that the, the actress... Book, yeah, the actress is 6'3". Wow. The actress is as tall as Dylan Rayola. Uh, Tyrion Lannister is 4'5". <laughs> the, the character? <laughs> or Peter Dinklage? Yes. Okay. Um, you know, there's the, the, the giant. My, or who's the... Not the giant. The, uh, the mountain? The mountain. Like, I want to know what his character is supposed to height and weight. Versus the actual actor who played the mountain, the height and weight. So he's 6'9", uh, Bjornsson, who played, last name Bjornsson, who played him. In the Another book, Viking, Scandinavian. Yeah, I don't see anything from the book here that tells me anything of importance here, how tall he was in the book. There you go, Chad. 6'9". I'm, I'm fascinated by this. Oh, described in uh, the book as over seven feet tall. So he's the big show. I mean, it, I, I'm now taking it to the next level with AI and algorithms taking yeah. over everything. Is there a way to target the high school football player that does like bigger women through knowing their search history so that the Nebraska's and the Wisconsin's of the world can dominate college football again once you find that? I'm just going with the, the message board poster's logic on this. If they but could really zero in I don't, on those high school football stars that are into quote-unquote farm-fed bigger women. So do you think Kiffin had the hostesses both uh, big and small? I think you got to have a variety. Absolutely. But I think at that age, you just have, oh, I'm here, and I can't believe this is what college life is like. I'm of the belief that... The director of first impressions is normally not a yeah, variety. Yeah, and I think that there's... Uh, being attractive can be uh, objective and not subjective. Sure. With some. So I think most of the time... Oh, for sure. You're going for the objectively good-looking... When you're when you're doing that, yep. but I do think it would be wise to have oh people of got all their, types. I know everybody's yeah. got their thing. If this Georgia message board poster is hey, correct, then we, maybe Dylan Rayola was lured I will, by uh, some farm-fed taller women. Chad, we like giving both sides here. That here is Dylan Rayola and Brian right Tarth standing yeah. side by side. That's actual height and weight uh, next to each other too. And we like giving. We also 
where we, we see an example of a post from a year ago about a guy on a message board who has a friend that was asked by uh, Connor Stallions to possibly go scout Tennessee's signs at a Vanderbilt game. No, there's that some truth from to a message some message board. board posts. Maybe this is it. There, there could be some truth to it. Keep in mind also, Royola's dad played at Nebraska. I, I think that may have something to do with it also. I'm just going to go out on a limb. I, I'm going to go away from the message board poster that's trying to get people to cancel flights and the one who thinks that Dylan Rayola is secretly into Brienne of Tarth and say that maybe, just maybe, the appeal at Nebraska is that his dad played there and that they're going to pay him a ton of money. That could be it. Craziness. I'm sure there are other posts, too. Uh, so I'll go on a limb and say that ESPN is pretty happy with the college football playoff matchups. Uh, Reese Davis saying that ultimately they don't have the power that everyone thinks they do uh, on the, the selection committee. However, he does say, and he's, I mean, he's right and it's obvious that, you know, if you mean by power that we make phone calls and dictate to somebody or have such influence over grown, successful human beings that they're going to align themselves with whatever we want, uh, then no, I don't think we have that power. But he does say, like, hey, uh, if they're, if you want to define power, if we say something on game day, something on there, does it give the power breakers or decision makers something to think about and go, hmm, I would say the answer is yes, there's power. That's really the show you're watching. That and uh, you've got the big noon kickoff. That's it. So if you've got the former players and the former coaches on game day and big noon pushing one thing, no different, by the way, I would say, than Jaden Daniels getting the push on the weekend he didn't play I agree. by the media, that plays an effect and on the perception of certain programs and teams and players. Yeah, whether passive or not. And I think what Reese Davis is saying is perfectly is. fair. Yeah, He's saying it's not like we have their phone numbers and we're sending them a text to say, put this team in over that one. Bam we don't have in. that power. Yeah, right. Or we're not saying we demand this happen because of television and these are the games we want. But yeah, if we, say, if we give our opinion or say something consistently on the show, which by the way, the ratings, I think 2.2 million people on average watch that show. That's good for the third highest slot of games. If you're looking at a TV window for college football, that would be the third highest game slot of the year was college game day show. Yeah. Of course they have pool. Yeah. And if someone agrees with someone's opinion because it's well-made, well-articulated by the host, then yeah, you're going to have some sway o- over the committee. And Reese Davis isn't backing down from that part of it. Well, also consider... They do have power in that respect. I mean, the rankings were a lot different for... The teams five through ten in many cases, but by and large, it was a chalk year, except for the final show. Yep, made for TV. So was this college football playoff, just like Game of Thrones and Brienne of Tarth, made for TV, not the books. George R. R. Martin, not the books. 